This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. The uh, Yates Flooring Center chat line is open. Go to DoubleT973.com for that. The mobile app is presented by Happy State Bank. Uh, Visual Edge IT hotline is open, too, at 806-771-0973. So uh, look forward to uh, hearing from you today on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Do you know what's going to happen at 120 today, Jamie? I do not know. Okay. At one twenty today, <clears throat> the Federal Emergency Management Agency, known as FEMA, along with the Federal Communications Commission, will run a test. Your cell phone will go off. Everybody's cell phone is supposed to get a warning. It'll be, this is only a test. It's only a test. Okay. The upcoming test has also sparked conspiracy theories, which have been debunked as false, according to the Associated Press. There you go. There you go. It won't. It won't quite sound like that. Okay. It won't quite sound like that. But anyway, it'll just be a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed on your part, unless you want to hear it for yourself. Then you would need to have your phone on. You know, so it makes sounds. I'm all for this test. Test doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. What's going to annoy me is if I have to reboot my phone in the next 24 hours, am I going to get the test again? That's what we should find out. I don't know. You I, know how when you get the, the Amber Alerts, mm-hmm. and if you turn off your phone or reset your phone, sometimes you get the same alert again? Yeah. Right. I don't know that I've experienced that. Um, can't say that can't say I've necessarily experienced that, but I I do kind of that the, the frustration of that sometimes. But I mean, that's all. I'm well, all I'm all for it. At least it helps helps to remind you a second time that Amber's still missing, Jeff. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do wish we could modify the Amber Alert just a little bit. I, I will. We're not going to find anybody in Brownwood in Lubbock, Texas. And in fairness, they're not going to find anybody in Lubbock and Brownwood either. I, I will. I will say this for all the. Th- Thousands and thousands of EAS tests that we were, the emergency alerts, for all of those that we run, on the day that we needed it the most, it, they didn't activate it on 9-11. So it's just like, they should just get rid of it. Well, they didn't want to panic anybody. <laughs> yeah, because we were already... We already were panicked. So, at any rate. Uh, somebody says this off the Eats Flooring Center chat line, and we did do this. Congrats to the Twins for finally winning a playoff game, right? Right. Right. 18 right. in a row is just an amazing it number. Is, it is. It it's is. hard to do. It is. It, it is. Um, and this is not my tidbit for 815, but the thing that was also stunning yesterday was how few people bothered to show up in Tampa for the ball game. Yeah. I crazy. Mean, just crazy. Just when you, I mean, just absolutely crazy. It was the lowest attended playoff game by a major league baseball city in a hundred years. How embarrassing. 19,704 made it out to the trop yesterday. And here's the thing about 
the last time that they had a crowd smaller than this, uh, and this is from uh, a Yahoo article that I read last night, uh, some context on the 1919 World Series snafu. So the Reds fans were forced to buy <clears throat> three-game blocks, and this was their fourth home game. Single tickets were only on sale for a few hours that morning in downtown Cincinnati. Only 13,000 showed up for game seven of eight games. <laughs> but there was you know, that codicil there. So, so that's just absolutely, absolutely crazy that uh, the attendance was just that small. But they're going to build a new 30,000... $1.6 billion stadium that'll open for the 2028 20, season. But, man, you think about what they've done there with the division titles, the trips to the World Series, the, all that stuff. Um, I mean, it's good for the Rangers because it makes it makes the uh, environment not so, you know, menacing. Yeah, not a hostile one by any stretch yeah, of the imagination. Yeah, so... So that's 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 good for them. All right, uh, a couple of cowboy notes for you this morning, Jamie. Uh, Jerry Jones hinting yesterday that uh, left tackle Tyron Smith could miss a third straight game. It's not good with what you have coming up this weekend with the Cowboys uh, taking on the 49ers uh, on the road in San Francisco. Um, so he's a, a big question mark. He's missed the last two with a knee injury. Um so he's he's a guy that has struggled to stay healthy, and boy, you need him to protect your quarterback and uh, be a help help you in in red zone games. But you, you also kind of look at what the Cowboys have done under Mike McCarthy, and and listen to this: Tyron Smith has played in just nineteen of fifty four regular season games that Mike McCarthy has coached. Gosh, I wouldn't have guessed it would be that small. Yeah, it's basically a third. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed it would would have been that small. So that's uh, that's that's a note. Uh, Jones said uh, yesterday this morning you need to think about him playing. If he if he doesn't, we're well prepared. Okay, um, we'll see. The other the other thing is that the uh, Cowboys are going to do, and I, I I don't even know that this is a story other than it's it's kind of Captain Obvious stuff. But the Cowboys say that they will talk to Trey Lance about the uh, offense for the 49ers, <laughs> which would make a lot of sense, right? Sure. You traded for him. They didn't want him anymore. And uh, they'll, uh, they'll lean on Trey Lance to try to understand what uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense is doing. And Brian Schottenheimer, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, said, Trey knows a little bit about what they're doing. The cool thing is, like I said, uh, the Cowboys know them well. I know them well from being in Seattle. Trey knows them well. Like last week, it's kind of in good fun and humor. We all use pieces that we have in place, but we don't go too far into it. Okay. Cowboys should know them well since they knocked them out of the playoffs the last couple <laughs> yes, of years right, also. Right. Right. <laughs> right. A- absolutely. Yeah, we should know what not to do, right? Mm, and, or what to do. Or what to do. Or what to do. So... It's uh, that'll be a that'll be a big game on Sunday night for the Cowboys, and of course we'll have it for you on Double T ninety seven three, with uh, Brad Sham, Babe Loffenberg, uh, and Christy Scales on the uh, on the sidelines. So 
be uh, be looking for that. So Cowboys, uh, I think off to a good start. They had the the, the hiccup there in Arizona. Um, the defense looks to be just <clears throat> rocking uh, and uh, running at full steam. Um, the offense, I think the the biggest question mark is can you solve your red zone problems? Yeah, I mean, and get a good team like the 49ers, that's, that's going to be a struggle the way their defense plays, number one. But at the same time, their offense is pretty good as well. So, you, uh, man, you really need sevens and not threes. Cowboys are 30th in the league in red zone touchdowns. Uh, the efficiency percentage is 36.8. <laughs> but, I mean, they've been – uh, really good on defense. They've gotten some, you know, defensive scores. They've yeah, gotten they've, they've explosive some, plays. They've played some pretty pathetic offenses. Yeah, right. But I mean, that's that helps those really good defensive numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I do think they are good. I defense. do too. I do too. But Jamie's right. Yeah. They haven't played anybody with a pulse on offense. It's not really a murderer's row of offenses they've faced. We're well, so getting far. ready to face one, I think. Uh, yes, I would agree. You're yeah. getting ready. You're getting ready to. Now, I don't care who they're playing. Michael Parsons is still a stud. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, somebody says this off the uh, Yates Flooring Center chat line with regard to the ball game today. Can't imagine the attendance goes up today. No, I, I would completely agree. <laughs> completely agree. But now it's only the lowest attendance since yesterday. So that you know you're doing better. Yeah, yeah. as opposed to 100 years. Wouldn't be as embarrassing now. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have. Uh, Rangers in the Rays today at 1.30. First pitch just a little after 2 today on Double T 97.3. And then later on tonight, Cowboys will have a uh, crosstalk tonight at 7 o'clock. That's a really enjoyable program. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, that's at 7. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Um, I've been meaning to ask you this question. It's not... It's not deep or anything, and I, I think I, I think I know what your opinion's going to be, but I'm just, I'm just curious if, uh, if you're um, kind of upset about it, or maybe not upset's not maybe the wrong word. How do you feel about Big Twelve games on Friday night? Do you feel like that that should be left, especially in September and October, for the high school guys? Um, I, I don't love them in the state of Texas. Um, I don't know that every uh, state plays their games on Friday nights. Uh, I know where I grew up, they did not. They did not? When did they, when did they play? Saturday afternoons okay. and mornings. Okay. And so I'm, I'm Probably not for, because it was warmer. I'm not for the state of Texas doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I enjoyed watching uh, Cincinnati and BYU the other night. I was happy they played it there. Okay. Um We've got another one this week. I, I would not be a big fan of the Red Raiders playing on a Friday night. Yeah, and, I mean, and maybe if it was a road game, but definitely not a home game. Yeah, uh, you had uh, you had one earlier this year with uh, Illinois and Kansas, and they do play high school football games almost exclusively on uh, Friday night in that state. That's the passion for it is not anywhere near what it is, you know, in in uh, in Texas. What Texas and Florida and California, I think, are far above the norm than, and maybe Texas even above anybody else. You know, in Ohio. terms of the, Ohio, probably yeah. Um, and then uh, I think Oklahoma is also pretty high 
on high school football, state of Oklahoma. And I think you could have just stopped with the Oklahoma's pretty high. Okay. <laughs> pretty high. Okay. Well, they'll have uh, they'll have a game this week, uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State, and they'll play that game in Stillwater, and that'll be a 6:30 kick. Uh, K-State's favored by 12 points in that game. I don't know. I just I, Yeah, I'm, I, I'm 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 with you. I, I guess I would say I I, I well, I, again, if it's outside the state of Texas, I'm fine with it. I mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of rule number one there i'm just worrying about me and my state sure. I, I don't want it here uh i don't care elsewhere as a matter of fact i enjoy it okay because i, I okay. Still have a, a game that's interesting to me okay that, on I a friday night i did not expect that response but that's okay that's why I, that's why i asked it because yeah. you know sometimes you can't uh, necessarily guess um i mean i'll just be honest i'm not worrying Oh, I'm if, not. if it if it was here, I would feel bad for Coronado or Lubbock Cooper or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not will, worried about Stillwater High. Just don't care. Okay, okay. that's totally selfish. Rule number one, right? Okay. Yeah, just don't yeah. care. Yeah, it's a yeah. four, but but yeah, it's a, you're yeah. right. Yeah, it's it's uh, nobody believes that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't believe that. Neither does Jeff. Um, <laughs> the Red Raiders will have one friday game but it's the day after thanksgiving and i think yeah that you know count. that's that doesn't count right yeah. and then you'll have the the thursday game against uh tcu which which i give, love yeah because that'll give you a, a national exposure and you kind of be the only game in town so to speak and you know gives you a chance to highlight your program especially um your your city it's a it's a home game it's a six o'clock kick um so yeah that'll be that'll wouldn't be a lot of fun wouldn't all those things be true on a friday night too National exposure. Yeah, I just... Pay attention to you. I just... Like, I don't like the Friday night game necessarily for Texas either. I'm just not going to be promoting the Thursday night game as all these great things and then saying the Friday night doesn't do the same thing. But it kind of goes consistently with my... I'm in kind of order deal. I like football during football season, baseball during baseball season, basketball during basketball. No, no, no. I'm just talking about... and And then as part of that... High school on Friday, college on Saturday, and the NFL on Sunday. I don't like it when the NFL jacks around with things either. You know, the and they've, they've, Thursday night. I know. Sunday, There'll be a day Saturday, when they're playing Sunday, on Thursday, Friday, Monday. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, I mean, they've they've kind of had that so, so-called so unwritten rule about, you know, not playing on Saturday during college football. But there'll be a point in time when, you know, somebody will pay them enough money where they'll say, hey, we're going to have the occasional Saturday game. And you will, you'll see that. And you see that later in the season, which I love. I love those Saturday doubleheaders, um, like in December when there's not any college football. Um, you'll, you'll see some of that. But I wonder if that'll uh, kind of move into, you know, earlier in the year, October, November, yeah. just, just because somebody's going to say, hey, I'd rather, I'd rather just have a national audience of dink and dink, and we know that we can – you know, score better with that from a television standpoint than, you know, having a Sunday afternoon doubleheader, you know, with so-and-so and so-and-so. And then uh, here's the other thing. You don't, nobody's making you watch it. If you don't like it on Friday night, don't watch it. No, no, I, no. Go to the, go to the high school game if, if that's such a big deal to you. Yeah, no, you're right. You're, yeah. you're right. No, nobody's, nobody's forcing putting, you to. Nobody's putting a gun to your head or anything along those lines. I just, I guess I just look at it from the standpoint, I hate that it gets taken away from the high school guys because I kind of felt like that high school over the year but you know i mean the people that are going to high school games are pretty they're gonna go right they're gonna go to high yeah school they're games. gonna go to the game yeah. especially if you got a kid involved or a grandkid involved or 
niece or, or if nephew. that's what you do on Friday night. Or if that's what you do on Friday night, right, right. right. Uh, this, I'd rather play on Friday night instead of Thursday night. Crowd sizes diminish when people have to work the next day. I think we'll have a full house uh, when Tech and TCU play. At least I hope you do. Uh, it would be, unless your your season has tanked, I think yeah. you'll have a full house. Yeah. Yeah, the season's not going to be tanked, is it? By then? I don't, th- that's not my plan. Okay, that's not your plan. Okay. <laughs> I don't determine that. <laughs> I th- there's I already been a lot to. that hasn't gone to plan yeah yeah, yeah no if you're, we can go back to rule number one man you'd you'd be uh undefeated uh, yeah you'd be five and oh right well you already have three losses no but i mean you if you wanted to be i mean if you had it your way you'd be five and oh yeah yes yes yeah, you'd, that's you'd, correct you'd, you'd you'd have it have it your way what's your uh what's the old jamie lit confidence factor for this weekend it's above a five it's not super high mm-hmm. i mean Maybe a sixer. If Baylor hadn't come back against UCF, would it be would it have been higher? Possibly, possibly, because then you'd start to think maybe Baylor was just ready to kind pack of throw it in. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Six forty this morning on the morning drive. We'll have this day in sports history next, and in a secret word, your chance to get eligible to win ten thousand dollars. We're not going to give it away today. We'll give it away October the twenty sixth, but you can't. Be eligible to win on October the 26th if you don't start playing today. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. 7.15. Are you a fan of Nickelback? Or are you just playing it because the texture wanted it? Be careful what you ask for. You may just get it. Okay. Nickelback is like a, it's like a joke to people. They are what a uh, actually rice uh, uh, puff cake would be to flavor when it comes to rock music. <laughs> okay, um, I actually like that song. Uh, that is was, a good one. I was going to say that, but like, I'm a fan of like when the '80s hair bands, right? They were all bad looking and all that, and mm-hmm. they would do like a slow song. Okay. okay. They would do a slow song. Get out there on Nick, the dance floor. Nickel. No, no, I didn't want to dance to it or whatever. I just I thought it sounded cool. They okay. were show, showing off their versatility. Yeah, right? November you. Rain, fantastic. Yeah. But not what Guns N' Roses yeah. is known. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like Nickelback is these hard looking dudes that look like they're bad guys that look like they should be in a motorcycle gang in every one of their songs. That's like that. It's like that. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. You can't be that. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like a bunch of guys who, you know, like I said, look like they just got out of the pen and their favorite music artist is Barry Manilow. Yeah. Okay. You got to, you got to fit. And those <laughs> guys just don't fit. They don't fit. But I really like that song. I do. Uh, somebody says this, Nickelback is the Taylor Swift of metal music. And I had another Taylor Swift context because Bullfighter says this should put a Sneed versus Bullfighter portrait in the box up there with y'all. And I feel like the Sneed versus Bullfighter race is kind of the Taylor Swift of this radio station. In other words, it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And That's the first Sneed, time I've heard about it in a long, long time. Sneed got smoked in that in that deal mm-hmm. by the Bullfighter. Did he? I hadn't heard. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I was impressed with both of them. I really was. Yeah. 
I think they both would have beat me. So. Oh, it's no question. I mean, I, 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 I there's no question they would have beat me. There's no question they would beat me. You, <laughs> I don't was know. Very confident you, I don't know. You, I don't know. I do have a, I do have a tidbit for you. I do have a tidbit for you. Do you have two? I do. I have two. Okay, then you are, you are free to share a first tidbit that is not the official tidbit. Yeah, this is not the official tidbit. But I was, I was, I was wondering about this yesterday because. I've listened to a lot of Ranger games, and and maybe Matt Hicks has mentioned this before, and maybe Nadell has mentioned this before, and I've missed it, but he kept referring to Jose Leclerc yesterday as Pico. Okay, that's his apparently that's his nickname. I don't know if you were aware of that or not, Jose Leclerc, that his nickname was Pico. I was not aware. Okay, mm-hmm. Pico is in reference to his nose because in Spanish. Pico is peak. So I've not looked at Jose Leclerc's nose to see if it's bigger than normal or if it's, you know, he's got a small face and his nose is proportionally bigger, but apparently his approved nickname is Pico. And Nadell was like referring to it as, you know, I referred to him as the human rain delay. Pico. Kept saying Pico. He's so slow working. You know, you want to talk about a guy who probably was the most bothered by Major League Baseball's new pitch clock rules is probably Jose Leclerc. Okay, Nadell was really he was really on target yesterday. He was really old school yesterday. He uh, at one point Wait, time, you hang it, Eric Nadell on point during a playoff game. Yeah. I can't imagine that happening. No, no. I mean, he, the Hall of Famer was really good yesterday. I mean, he at one point in time somebody was at bat and he's like, he is swinging for the boondocks. I mean, he had like a several references that were like. Like, uh, and he was like, uh, so-and-so uh, pitcher is really throwing his Uncle Charlie today. Uh, Uncle Charlie is really throwing it. I mean, it was just, it was all those all those references uh, from yesterday. Do you know what he means by that one? I think it's the fastball. Is that right? I thought it was a curveball. Okay. Maybe it is the curveball. I was going to look that up because I knew, I knew as soon as I said that, you would say, do you know what that is? Yeah, um, I think, I think so. I think you're, I think. What do you think, Jeff? It, you're right. It is a curveball. Yeah, you're yeah, right. That's yeah. what I, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah, which is odd. What is the the boondocks? I've heard the term before. What is it? <laughs> Just like it's like way out there. Way Swing, out there. Yeah, swinging for the boondocks is like you know it's like it's like uh, where is uh, Joe's fried chicken? Oh, it's out in the boondocks, east of town. Okay. Okay. Swinging for the boondocks. Okay. <clears throat> but. Uh, the exact uh, origin is unknown. That to me, that sounds like something that yeah. you know one of the old broadcasters came up with, yeah. Red Barber or somebody like that. You know, way, way, way back in the day. All right, Texas Tech football. Um, <laughs> sorry, got off the got off the got off the train there a little bit. Uh, I, I think by and large, we've been pretty happy with the defense this year, right? From Absolutely. Texas. So. Uh, defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter was asked the other day what he's happy about and what he's unhappy about with his defense right now. Uh, not happy with a lot of things, I guess. Um, you know, I, th- I think I'm probably happy with, with uh, our effort. I, th- I think our guys run the football very well. Um, you know, I think our guys strain for the most part. Um, what I'm not happy with is how we tackled, particularly last week. It's, it's going to be something that's going to be an emphasis this week. It's an emphasis every week, but you know, after you know missing 18 tackles last week, we've got to go back to basics. And 
you know, there's no asterisk on, hey, we went, won, but, you know, Rabbit wasn't in, or we won, but, you know, so-and-so wasn't in. It doesn't matter. You know, whoever we put on that field's got to be good enough to play, and we feel they are. But we've got to give them the tools during the week to train them to be at the level we need them to be to win in the Big 12. So, uh, as coaches, we've got to figure that out and, and drill those guys that are, you know, going to play for us to be ready to execute the defense. He loves the word strained. And by that, I think he means like, I think this, he means like extra effort or, you know, when somebody is straining to do something, he views, I view that as a positive. Okay. Yeah. So that's just that he's going maybe beyond what he's normally capable of or the average of. And he, he said, uh, Tony Bradford in this particular game last week, uh, against Houston, strained more than any other game. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's like above and beyond with his effort. Above and beyond, yeah. I mean, some people will say, he played at 110%, you know, and then there's other things. Same, you know. same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. G- gave us all he's got. Whatever. Gave us all he's got, right. Um, but they felt like that they, they executed better in the second half uh, and that they put pressure on the quarterback in the second half. And he said that, Steve Linton. And I thought that was the difference. I mean, it just felt like in the mm -hmm. first half that Donovan was able to just sit back and, you know, and survey the defense. And you just can't ask your defensive backs to to cover guys that long. Mm -hmm. And then I also thought Donovan was, I mean, just pinpoint accurate, as as accurate as we've ever seen him throwing the football. But in the second half, you, you made him a little bit uncomfortable. It wasn't like you were sacking him all over the place, but you made him get rid of the football quicker. Um, you made him a little uncomfortable. You made him move around in the pocket a little bit more. To me, that was that was the difference in the second half and what the defense was doing in the first half compared to the second half. And I do think they did tackle better in the second half too because, man, first couple of drives, that was rough. Yeah. It was really – I mean, that was the worst we've seen this season as far as tackling goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they – they did. They were. They were. They were much, much, much better uh, there in the in the second half. And and he did. I mean, they they do want to see uh, more out of Linton, and they they need more out of Linton. Uh, but they felt like they they got uh, a much better game out of him. Uh, with regard to the Baylor offense, he says it's extremely balanced. Uh, it's a team that wants to run first. Very physical. Very sound. Offensive line is well coached. Play action. Could cause him a problem. Yeah. But he said all three of their running backs are a little bit different with their styles and that that can create problems for you. There you go. He's down in the boondocks. He was trying to swing him for the boondocks. Throwing his <laughs> Uncle Charlie right down Broadway. It was all the baseball terms. You'll hear if only they'd have taken it downtown. Yeah. 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 The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station. Double T 97.3. Downtown. Downtown. <laughs> I once got in trouble at a radio station for using this uh, song in a commercial for... Uh, the downtown association um they were i don't know doing some kind of thing and the program director railed at me for using this song for some reason he didn't i don't think he cared for the song he was uh he was just kind of a strange guy yeah typical but, program director yeah 
Can't trust those guys. <laughs> you can. Some of them you can. It's, it's, it was just, I don't know, different. <laughs> <laughs> your, your question of me, sir. Question today is, I want to know which Red Raider football player has surprised you the most mm. this year. Surprised me the most. Has surprised me the most. Jeff, you want to take a stab at this first? Because th- there's one that's low-hanging fruit, I think. Okay. Who do you think is low-hanging fruit? I think fruit? Ben Roberts is low-hanging fruit because he's what he's done to fill in for Jacob Rodriguez at that uh, linebacker spot and how he is how he has performed so far this year, you know, and kind of because it I mean when he went out I and mean, there's a lot of concern because and and that that was a concern of yours and I think even ver- bef- even before, before the, the season, season the depth the depth yep. of your linebacking core has me excited for the future of and, your linebackers when you when yeah, you've got those two guys. And when you look at what he's what he's done so far, um he's uh you know, in his first start, he had 12 tackles and one and a half tackles for. So he's, let's see, thrust into the starting role in week two, uh, delivered in his first start with 12 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, half a sack. Um, so he's he's certainly lived up to uh, kind of what they thought he might be able to do to become already as a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say really Ben good. Roberts. Okay. I don't know that this is fair. Um, because his classification and his time here should mean that I it shouldn't be as a pleasant surprise as it has been. But I've been generally pleased with what we've gotten from Gino Garcia, and I was worried about that coming into the year. Okay. Um, a little rough start, but since then he's been solid for you. And Gino, Gino was one of my two names, and I would go a little bit stronger than a little rough start. Okay. I would say a pretty bad start, okay? But I would agree with Jeff wholeheartedly here. Mm-hmm. He's been great since then. Yeah, knock and, on wood. Uh, I, I've been really impressed, really impressed. So, yeah, I think that's totally fair, Jeff. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. Um, my other one, um, I might surprise you. I don't know. I'll just be honest here, okay? Okay. Mason Tharp. Okay. I didn't think Mason Tharp was going to turn into a major factor ever. Okay, I I thought he was, uh, you know, he was six nine, and that was interesting, and mm-hmm. all the above. But I didn't know how much of a factor he would ever become. I have fully expected Baylor Cup to take that job from him, and uh, that's not happened. And Mason's been really good, so kudos to him for that. So he's more than just, uh, you know, six nine circus juggling act. He's a uh, he's a real tight end, and. Uh, and he's a guy that can really help you if you continue to use him. Okay, and and Coach McGuire was not asked about him on Monday, but he didn't offer him up as a guy uh, that was um, going to be out this coming week. Because remember, he left the game on Saturday against Houston. I do not know the nature of that injury, uh, and I'm sorry I didn't uh, I didn't ask that question or. Or get it clarified uh, with regard to um, kind of how things were were going for him um, so far this you know in terms of this week. So hope hopefully he'll be uh, hopefully he'll be okay and be good to go uh, for Saturday at uh, 
at Baylor. But you yeah. didn't forget, Chuck. You were just trying to let somebody else ask their injury questions at the end of the press conference. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens. But usually he's, you know, depending on, again, depending on who the coach is, Coach McGuire has been usually pretty forthright about at least mentioning somebody. If they're going to be out, he's he's been pretty uh, open about that. Now, the nickel and dime injuries, you know, they're not going to list every nickel and dime injuries, and, and nor should they. And on one end, they want to, they want to protect the player um, because they don't want somebody going after somebody's knee or shoulder or sure. ankle if there's if there's if they know that there's a problem. So anyway, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the deal on that. But yeah, Gino Garcia um, has been really good, and you're right. Um, Mason Tharp has been has been good so far this year. Uh, been sees. He's caught 11 balls for 120 yards and he's caught a couple of touchdowns. He had uh, four against Oregon, had three against Texas State, had one against uh, West Virginia, and had a couple against Houston. Hasn't scored a touchdown since Tarleton. Uh, And then in the opening game, he caught uh, one ball for 10 yards, but that was against Wyoming when they really didn't, you know, do a whole lot there. Is it? Is it fair to say in a negative way after the guy leads your team in rushing, Cameron Valdez has been a little disappointment this year? I think and, But I don't know that I blame him for that either. Well, he's he's been injured. He missed yeah. one game and then was not fully healthy. So um, it's hard to fault a guy when they don't give him the ball. Right. Uh, but I thought there would be a more balanced attack or maybe – I would agree 60, with that. 40 as opposed to would, 90. 10. Again, I don't know that that's on Valdez. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was he was he did not play against uh, Oregon or Texas State or T- Tarleton State rather, um, and uh, I don't think he was available for either one of those games. And then he uh, suited but did not play against West Virginia, and then had six carries for 111 yards. You wouldn't have gotten the ball against West Virginia anyway, as we've discussed already. <laughs> you didn't run the ball there. Right. Should have. Right. Well, and the other and the other one, um, you could say the same thing. He did in is, the second half. Is Nehemiah Martinez, who hasn't, you know, he was out the first week, didn't play the second week, and has uh, suited up the last three weeks. But he's uh, carried 12 times for 64 yards. So, and both those guys are guys that you would like to have, you know, spell Taj Brooks a little bit. Sure. Um and then uh, Ben Roberts so far this year in five games, 19 unassisted tackles, 19 assisted, two tackles for losses, uh, and then uh, has uh, one interception for a five-yard return. So, um, you know, that, and he's forced one fumble. So I think he's been kind of at the top, top of your chart there in terms of guys that you didn't necessarily expect to contribute on defense that have. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Kind of swimming through it this morning. We uh, look forward to hearing from you from the uh, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double T 97.3.com for that or the mobile app. Uh, Visual Edge IT hotline is open too at 806-771-0973. We come to you from the First United Bank studio here in downtown Lubbock. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Jamie, with uh, Texas at third, Josh, with Texas at third, made an athletic catch of a line drive yesterday. Are you impressed with his athleticism? 
Uh, I think he's just got really good instincts over there at third okay. base. I, I don't think Josh is one of those guys um, that is necessarily oozing, oozing with athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, great hands, really good instincts, really good first step, um, whether he's going to his right or his left or he's coming in on a ball. Um, I thought it was really interesting yesterday, um, I mean, w- watching the game on television, when Josh made that great play, um, which was a re- really good play, took away a hit from one of the raised um, hitters. He, a guy on television, uh, the play-by-play guy, mentioned that if you look at the 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 metrics on Josh Young for Major League Baseball, they feel like the numbers are low on him compared to other third basemen, and um, they were saying that the Rangers adamantly disagree with that and think he is a plus-plus defender and uh, feel like they got a great one at third base, okay? Um, and I guess, you know, may- maybe just because his lateral quickness is not, you know, just off the charts mm-hmm. like some guys, but, I mean, Josh is, is the guy that makes all the uh, makes all the simple plays, and he'll make a few spectacular ones here or there. Um, you know, his range is not spectacular by any stretch, but... Uh, still, still really, really good. And, and, you know, sometimes you can look at the analytics or the metrics or whatever, <coughs> and it's spot on. And sometimes you look at it and you think, I don't know, that just doesn't fit. And clearly the Rangers feel like, you know, he's a really, really good defender. And that's, you know, their future is Josh Young over there at third base. So Yeah, the, the analytics say he's not good, but he doesn't miss anything. So I'm going to keep him out there doing what he's doing. You know, it's like... um. I mean, I, I hate to. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll do this. I, I hate to. I'll go. So when they were both playing at the same time, and they were somewhat in their prime, Derek Jeter versus Elvis Andrews of the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeter was never known for being a guy who had great range. Okay, won Gold Gloves, but never known for being a guy who had great range. Elvis had awesome range. Okay, could go to his left, go to his right, make spectacular play all over the place. Jeter hardly ever messed up on the routine ball. Elvis errs all over the place on the routine ball. Okay, so which guy do you want playing shortstop for you? You want the guy that's going to make the simple Steady play Eddie. every time, yeah. or you want the guy that's going to wow you every once in a while, but make you slam your head against the desk a few times a week too? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I think Josh is that guy. You know, Josh is not going to just wow you over the top with his play at third he's just going to be josh which is consistent and you know he's going to make the plays that he needs to make every every once in a while you might say well maybe a guy who's a little bit faster gets to that ball but man i'll 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 take the steady eddie all day long and i I think that's what josh is at third he he also just seems to have a knack now yeah that's where i think the instincts yeah yeah. You know, he sees the ball off the bat and, and he moves quickly. Yeah. Well, and I also wonder how much of that is him studying the batters and the scouting report and things along those lines so that he knows where to play these guys. You where, know. where to position himself. Yeah. Well, you'd think that, you know, that the teams help them with that and all that. But you're, you're right. I mean, he's definitely a guy that studies hard and all that good stuff. So. And do, do you see much different from him at this level than what you saw during his days here, particularly at the end, as he was really honing his craft, is he kind of the same guy, same player? Yeah, I, I just, I mean, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I don't think he's he's changed that much. You remember the end of his tech career; he got moved to shortstop. 
because mm-hmm. they were having struggles with shortstop and they moved Josh over there and he was terrific at shortstop and team played much better when Josh was over there at short. And so obviously to do that, you have to have some range. Mm-hmm. But again, just make all the simple plays and that's that's what Josh did. And, and over at third for the Red Raiders, he was making the spectacular ones too. But, um, you know, I, I think... I think he's going to continue to to get better at that. But, you know, I, I guess if, you know, we're 10, 12 years from now and he starts to lose a step, maybe he maybe that in that situation, you see him move to first base or something like that. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I mean, I, I think I'll take that guy that's going to make the simple play and not going to throw the ball away a bunch and not going to boot a bunch of balls and all those things. I'll take that guy all day, every day. And I think that's what Josh Young is. And I think that's exactly what the Rangers feel. Did you ever talk to him about football? Did he, did he um, play much football as a, as a kid? Yeah, I think he was a quarterback. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you if he would have been a guy. I wouldn't have maybe necessarily envisioned him as a quarterback. He seemed like a little thicker, but he might have been a guy that could have been a, could have been a tight end. Uh, no, I think he was quarterback. Quarterback, okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing about Josh that I think is a little underrated is his arm. When he, while he might not have the range, when he gets to it, it's strong and it's accurate. Yeah, no question. He's, you're not seeing somebody have to leap up to try to get a ball from him. <laughs> it might skip, but it skips to the guy's waist. It, it, you're you're not seeing a hard digs from third to first, yeah. or if, uh, the relay throws. It's they're accurate and they're fast. So he might not be getting the ball that's 15 feet to his right on a dive, which I still think he gets more often than he gets credit for. But when he picks up and chunks it, the guy's out at first. Yeah. It was just really interesting to me to hear the, the play-by-play man say that, well, the metrics aren't really great on him at third base, but the Rangers you know, disagree adamantly with, with the metrics. Yeah. <laughs> so do Red Raider fans. Yeah. They yeah. should call you and get your take on on that. Just you know, when they're when they're. I think of, the Rangers probably have a pretty good grasp well, on I was it. Think, no, yeah. I was thinking <laughs> the other play by play guys. <laughs> oh, okay. They should, they should call you and kind of get your get your insight. Yeah. I also take. thought it was interesting that they talked about how um, uh, one of the guys was saying that every broadcaster, you know, had gotten his name wrong or whatever the first time they they said it. And uh, this guy was bragging that, oh, yeah, I got it right the first time I said it. And they're like, oh, you know, only because the Rangers broadcasters told me ahead of time <laughs> that it's not Jung. Jung. Yeah. Josh Jung. Yeah. Josh Young. Well, Josh Young and the Rangers will play today. They'll try to wrap up the wild card spot um, and move on to the division series. They take on the Tampa Bay Race, 1.30 the broadcast time. A little after two, first pitch. You'll hear it right here on Double T. 97.3. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.